0: The simplest commercial baking resource brought to you by Bakerpedia and hosted by Lynn Carson with a Ph.D. in Grain Sciences, sharing knowledge and helping you grow connections. You're listening to the Baked in Science podcast.
1: Welcome to Baked in Science. I'm your host Dr. Lin from Bakerpedia, the world's largest online depository of technical baking information. Have you ever wondered what in the world is the Charliewood process? Is it just another fancy name for no time dose? Not really, it's an entirely whole other process altogether. In today's episode, I speak with Michael Adams from Camden BRI and ask him pertinent questions so that you can take a bird's eye view of the Wood process. Here's Michael.
2: Today, we have Michael Adams from Camden BRI in England. Welcome, Michael.
0: Thanks, Lynn. Great to be here.
2: Michael, you are the bakery science manager there at Camden BRI tell us a little bit more about what you do
0: okay so i lead a team of four bakery scientists here at camden bri we're part of a a bigger bakery and cereal processing department here at camden which we work extensively with the the baking industry globally to help answer the issues and the problems that they have with either their products or their ingredients as well as um, answer some of the more fundamental questions about the science behind baking, whether that is things like bubble structure or crumb structure in bread, as well as really trying to understand the fundamental science behind the structure formation in, in other products like cakes and biscuits. Mm-hmm. To do that, we use a, a wide variety of, of processing techniques as well as analytical tools. And we, say, really work with global bakery organisations on a, on a wide range of, of of problems and challenges and research.
2: For a lot of people like me all the way here in the U.S. listening to this podcast, could you tell us a little bit about how, does, how did Camden BRI come about and who, like we want to know if we work with you, who actually funds this organization and whether the work will be confidential?
0: Okay, yeah, so a little a bit, bit more about Camden BRIs. We're a, um, a research and technical organisation. We have a, a staff of about 400 people uh, across five sites, three of those in the UK. Uh, we have one in Budapest in Hungary and one that we've just opened in South Korea. Uh, as well as baking, we provide a, a wide range of other technical services to global clients from things like analysis and testing all the way through to more fundamental research and product development. We're a membership-based organisation. Uh, so oh, okay.
2: there's
0: a, an annual fee to be members, which is based on the size and turnover of your organization. Um, we have about two and a half thousand members in 88 countries. Um, that includes all 15 of the, the world's largest food and drink manufacturers, as well as hundreds of, of much smaller organizations in the UK. Um, so that's a you know, global multinationals based in the UK, all the way through to we have companies where it's one person or two people that are members uh, and they make things in their kitchen or their garage. So, Um, We really do encompass kind of the whole food and drink industry throughout the the globe.
2: So how did you guys fall into the field of baking science?
0: So Camden BRI is a long history, um, and we're now the product of a number of other organizations that have merged. Camden celebrates its 100th anniversary this year. Over that 100 years, a number of other membership-based organizations have merged with Camden to produce a much more rounded um, outlook or service for the food and drink industry so one of the organizations that joined with camden bri um, was an organization called fmbra or the flour millers and bakers research association which, oh,
2: okay.
0: uh, that traces its roots all the way back to 1923 and prior to merging with Camden uh, BRI, that was based in a, a small village north of London called Chorleywood, which I hope rings a bell with anybody familiar with the history of baking.
2: Right. Whilst the Chorleywood process, yes.
0: Exactly. That's where it comes from. They named it after the village because um, oh, they, they did have to think quite a while about what they would call it. And they, uh, they finally stumbled on uh, naming it after the village that the building was in. So Camden BRI was founded, say, 100 years ago, focusing on food preservation. So, things like canning uh, and then freezing as it, as it came in. And FMBRA focused much more on bakery. We merged in, in the early 90s, and uh, Chorleywood was closed, and the baking activity was moved up to Camden BRI. So, so, that is how I'm now sitting in a little village called Chipping Camden, working on bakery. And that's a, a very brief history of, of Camden BRI.
2: Interesting. So, what is exactly the Chorleywood process?
0: So, in simple terms, it's a, a quick time dough making process with mechanical development of gluten. Uh, that, is, in a nutshell, that is that is the cam, that is the uh, the Chorleywood bread process. In a little bit more detail, as that's why we're here to talk about. Yeah, it uses a high shear mixer. So, a typical Chorleywood mixer, which uh, we call a Tweedy mixer, which is named after the company, the mixer company based in the north of England that developed the first mixer used in the Chorleywood bread process, uh, who are now part of Baker Perkins. It runs at about 300 RPM. And instead of mixing to time, uh, one thing the Chorleywood bread process does is mix to energy input. So instead of saying it, we mix for three minutes or five minutes, a mix can last anywhere between two and five minutes and only stops once a certain amount of energy has been imparted into the dough. You tell the mixer how much energy you would like to be input into the dough. Typically that's around 11 watt hours per kilogram of dough. If you don't use that unit, that translates to five watt hours per pound. And what that means is the mixer will run until the gluten has developed such a stage that that amount of energy has been put into the dough. As I said, typically anywhere from two to five minutes. Uh, And then once the dough is mixed, there's a very short intermediate proof uh, to relax the dough. That's usually anywhere between two and 10 minutes. And then it's molded and fermented, usually around 40-minute ferment at around 40 degrees. That obviously varies between the product you're baking, and, and different bakers have slightly different ways of doing it. And then it's baked as normal. In terms of ingredients required, the only for the, the traditional Chorleywood process, the only two ingredients that were included as part of the original development was an oxidizing agent, which is exclusively ascorbic acid in the uk and a high melting point fat or an emulsifier or a combination of of fat and emulsifiers so they're kind of the essentials other things that are added you normally add extra water because there's no long bulk ferment in the chorlew where doughs can be quite hard so you're typically adding about two percent extra water on flour weights normally need extra yeast because you don't have the a long ferment it's a very short ferment as i said only about 40 45 50 minutes and one of the other Additions to the kind of standard Chorleywood bread process, we, we nickname it the Chorleywood Mark II, is the um, controlling the headspace pressure in the mixer. Traditionally, you just mixed atmospheric pressure, but work was done after the Chorleywood bread process was first developed about what happens if you pull a vacuum or increase the pressure in the mixer. And that is, whilst that's, different bakers use different combinations, some bakers only use uh, vacuum, some bakers use pressure and vacuum, That really has become a defining characteristic of the Chorleywood bread process in its ability to affect the properties of the dough and the finished bread.
2: I love it. I got so many questions. Are you ready? (laughs) (laughs) Firstly, let's start with the beginning on the flour. What kind of flour does a typical baker use for the Chorleywood process? Is it a silo flour or is it bagged flours?
0: Typically silo. I mean, the majority of the chorlewood bread baked in the UK is baked by big plant bakers. So Right.
2: And that silo flour, is it typically young, fresh, green, or old age flour? Like longer than, say, two weeks?
0: I would say it's probably the majority age flour. Flour age is, or the oxidation of flour, is a is a critical importance in it. That's what uh, I was um,
2: thinking. I was just like, "There's no way you guys can use green flour. This is like
0: no, <laughs> no uh, not at all. too
2: quick for that." Yeah. <laughs> so that's good to know that um, your flour is aged a little bit. So let's let's go back to the starting point where uh, the mixing process starts. So you're talking about mixer with blades, right?
0: Yeah, very much so. Yeah.
2: So how many it's, blades are there? Are there like two blades? Uh, or?
0: It's uh, usually a spiral blade, so it's what's termed a three D mixer. So you get a dough piece, and it really moves around the uh, in the mixer cavity to ensure that you get a very consistent mix throughout the uh, the dough piece. So. It, Got it. Force the dough
2: right. Up. So, so basically, what I'm envisioning is this blade is cutting a lot of the um, dough and exposing more surface area on the flour particle, creating more sites for hydration, improving hydration, improving interactions, gluten networks but it doesn't explain to me how you determine uh, how much energy to put in. Is there like an equation that you use or a protein calculation?
0: Yeah, it's a lot of it is to do with with kind of flower quality. So you can normally look right. at a graph or an extension graph uh, trace, and that will help you understand. So, I mean, one of the main reasons that Chorleywood, uh, well, one of the main hypotheses as to why Chorleywood's not been uh, adopted too much in the U.S. is strong bread flour, uh, like very strong bread flour, won't work as well in the Chorleywood bread process as it, how it runs with UK flour. So UK flour tends to be a lot weaker. So you need to put a lot more energy into a US or a Canadian, 100% Canadian bread requires That's a significant amount energy to develop the dough. And that means with a high shear mixer, your dough temperature is going to go up. Um, and of course, warm dough, sticky dough, difficult to process. Um, That's
2: true. Though I, I, I don't know why bakers will complain about using weaker flour because it would be cheaper.
0: <laughs> well, that is, that's why the Chorleywood bread process is here. Um, I know. You know, we were importing a lot of uh, flour from Canada and Australia after the Second World War, and the UK government wanted us to use British flour. Oh, I see. Got it. As is, as is famous, the British don't quite have very good weather and we can't grow high-protein wheat So we needed a process that could use weaker flour, and and that was Chorleywood.
2: I I agree. I was there in England last uh, fall, and um, the weather is actually very similar to the weather in Portland.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I feel sorry for you.
2: Feels just like home. But I I totally understand on what we can grow here and what you guys can grow there. And we can't grow really high, you know, quantity, high quality protein here in the Pacific Northwest as well. So I totally understand that piece. So I want to go back to the art and the science of dough mixing. Now, to me, it feels like this is a no time dough. And therefore, you put a lot of pressure on dough conditioners, right? You have to use dough conditioners in this process. There's no if or but, you just have to. So, important ingredients like ascorbic acid or similar oxidants, emulsifiers like SSL or Datum. Am I right? I mean, do you use yeah. this regularly in your process?
0: I mean, ascorbic acid is a key ingredient. That is a defining ingredient of the Chorleywood bread process, ascorbic acid. You have to have an oxidizing agent in there, um, otherwise the gluten will not develop quickly enough. In terms of, of emulsifiers, a lot of the emulsifier use has come around the uh, need to reduce hard fat. So you can get a really good result with about 1% hard fat in a Chorleywood bread. Obviously, with um, nutritional requirements and health requirements, hard fat is you know trying to be reduced which is understandable.
2: So that, can, can I stop you a second? Um, um, what is hard? How would you define hard fat?
0: So for a Chorleywood bread, you really need a quite a distinct melting curve of your fat because you need to re- reach what is we call the slip point. So that is that it's nice and hard when the dough is being mixed, but then during the proof, it melts.
2: So anything from coconut to palm to lard to yeah. butter?
0: Palm is very common. Not so common, obviously. I don't think coconut fat was used a, sh- a huge amount in England back in the uh, in the sixties. <laughs> um, but yeah, <laughs> fat. palm palm is commonly used, still commonly found in in the in uh, the most common breads, um, like the two two of the big breads on the market in the UK. Uh, and used how
2: many percent? How many percent of heart fat do you use on a, a dry dry flour weight?
0: Uh, usually about one uh, percent. But that, var- that does vary, but as I say, two of the biggest red brands in the UK still use a combination of, uh, we call it rapeseed, but I think it's canola uh, is more, is the term used in the in the US, and palm.
2: So uh, do you use any emulsifiers like Datum or SSL?
0: Yeah, Datum, SSL, uh, monoglycerides, distilled monoglycerides, still all commonly used.
2: Let me ask you, I mean, bu- uh, the free-from trend is so strong in Britain. I mean I go to your grocery shelf and you have like two grocery shelves full of free from stuff. So it must be a huge trend over there. What are you doing in terms of not allowing these E numbers onto bread labels?
0: It's it's a challenge. The the functional bread condi- dough conditioners is probably one of the biggest challenges for clean label in bakery at the moment. There are alternatives, but they tend to be more expensive and they don't work as well. There's something like datum, a lipase works, or a phospholipase works pretty Correct. well. So, mm-hmm. There's a few of those on the market. But again, they don't work quite as well. I mean, they, they work well, but one of the things you lose is the stability of the proven dough. Which, yeah, and, you know,
2: and do you have to attach an E number to phospholipase?
0: No, enzymes are non-declarable in, in the EU, so not just in the UK. Okay. Um, yeah,
2: same here in the, in the US, US as well.
0: Uh-huh. Now, that's changing, but it's been changing for a while. Um, I'm, no one's quite sure when the legislation will change about having to label enzymes. And given the UK might leave Europe at some point, then um, I'm not sure what impact that will have in, in the UK. But yeah, enz- I mean, enzymes are, are commonly used. Uh, most okay. spreads in the UK will have uh, some sort of enzyme cocktail in there. From the obvious ones like fungal amylase, uh, all the way through to you know xylanases and proteases. Now
2: um, back to the process. I have a question. I'm so much more questions. Sorry. You said that it has a total fermentation time about forty to forty-five minutes. Is that right? Yeah,
0: the, the final proof. Um, there's an intermediate proof after mixing and before molding. There's a, a resting Two to
2: ten minutes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But that's um, such uh, a
2: short fermentation time. I mean, that's like no. No time for the, the dough to really mature, relax, and flow. How do you deal with that?
0: So that's where that, the extra water comes in. So to get that soft parable ah, with a bulk fermentation, you typically add, let's say, 2% water or extra water on flour weight. And really, on average, again, this really varies bakery to bakery, but somewhere around 20 to 30% more yeast than a bulk ferment. That's because, a
2: lot of yeast, yeah. Yeah. So when the... When the yeah. Uh, so, does it experience quite a significant of yeast burnout during the mixing process as well?
0: Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, I mean, that's one thing I do find different is in the U.S., you see a lot more yeast food in in bread than you do in yes. a breads. That's not,
2: that,
0: I think that's obviously because we tend to use a much shorter fermentation time, so we oh, don't okay. only the yeast foods that you you guys tend to put in your breads. Given that you use bulk fermentation,
2: right, uh, and given so much more water is being used, this kind of bread has to be pan bread.
0: Yes, right? yes. The vast majority of bread eaten in the UK is is pan bread.
2: So you can't. This particular system can't be versatile for things like artisan bread.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Beef. Yeah, yeah. You can make half bottom. You can make French breads. There are French bakers out there using Chorleywood to make. French-stick style breads.
2: Wow. It must be like really, I don't know. How do you keep that form if it's like, you know, so high in absorption?
0: Well, you've got you've still got quite a hard dough because you haven't had all of the fermentation to soften it. So you add all That's the... Ex- true. It does the consistency of the dough coming out of Chorleywood. You can play a tune. You can play with that water level and get a softer dough or a harder dough but you know bakery bakers want to make money so usually you try and put as much water in as you can because that's extra yield sure water is pretty cheap compared with uh, compared with flour
2: interesting what are the recent scientific advancements in this particular wood process i mean it's been used for so long i mean what have you guys found anything new with this process
0: that's a good question so the the headspace pressure was, was a, an additional. That wasn't part of the original Chorleywood research. I
2: agree. That's, that's pretty neat. The yeah. reduction of that hate space is very unique.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, so the, pre- the idea is behind that is the pressure at the beginning of the mixing forces more oxygen into the, bre- into the dough, so you get a higher level of oxidation. And then you pour your vacuum at the end, and that reduces the, the bubble size and gives you a nice fine crumb. Now, if you don't pour that vacuum, you get a nice open structure. And that's how right. the French are able to use it to make their French breads and get their their nice French open structure. So, it's a, it's one of the proce- few processes where you can really modify your crumb structure product by product. So it's it's one process, wow. one mixer, but you can make lots of different breads on it.
2: Right? You know, and that's where uh, that's why you know we need to talk more. Right? American yeah. bakers need to talk more with English bakers. Right? Because American bakers have traditionally been told. That the the only way you can increase or decrease your stru- cell structure, make it more regular, make it less regular, is through ingredient manipulation. Yeah. This is interesting because it uses an equipment to manipulate the cell structure to make it more irregular or regular and vacuum and pushing of more headspace in there. I think it's a really unique principle and thought. Now, does, does this increasing and reducing of headspace only come with the Tweedy mixer?
0: Traditionally, yes. I mean, I, I was talking to my boss, who uh, is head of the bakery and cereal processing department early today, Dr. Gary Tucker, and he was saying that in the past few years, there's been the spiral mixers now with, with pressure vacuum. And there's even continuous dough mixers with pressure vacuum on the market. So it's not, it, it is no longer unique to Chorleywood, but Chorleywood still with the, the high shear mixing does give you benefits that, that the others don't. I mean, you talked about some of the research that's going on. We're, we're still doing, we're still active in research in Chorleywood uh, bread. One of the significant changes to the way Chorleywood has, or well, Camden has operated is that. Previously, a lot of our funding came from the government, the UK government, so the findings were shared quite openly because it was government money paying for it, so you had to disseminate the findings. A lot of our funding now comes from industry, so a lot of our work is contract work on behalf of clients, and we are are working with a number of global bakery ingredient or bakery equipment manufacturers at the moment doing some fairly groundbreaking research in the structure of, of bread, Um, the Chorleywood bread process and a number of other aspects. That's unfortunately, although I can't tell you what we found because it's not is, a
2: problem. It's
0: confidential. <laughs> you talked about how how we Baker, work at Cambridge. Baker,
2: Bakerpedia is here for you whenever you're ready. <laughs> <laughs> we're here for you to talk about whatever you want to talk whenever it's ready in public.
0: Yeah, it's it's incredibly frustrating because I know everyone listening would you know if they if they're interested in bakery science, we're we're doing some fascinating work, but um unfortunately um you know is a lot of a lot of the work we do is confidential now paid for by clients and you know we, we just can't talk about it which is a real shame yeah,
2: and and that's why Bakerpedia is here right is to talk to you and inquire about the things that you can talk about and <laughs> and that's why I, I keep pushing for free information so that we can share this with people who have better ideas you know yeah well um, I really I think that, yeah and I really think that a lot of the work that's been done in the 70s and 80s have been dropped in the 90s and 2000s. And I think I'm seeing some uptick in uh, mixing uh, rheology research, so um, I would love to talk to you off-air on some of the things I've found as well, and maybe we can compare notes and publish something together. That Um, sounds great. Yeah, I I do really see a lot of interesting new technologies to deal with mixing, and the area of mixing, and also fermentation so that's a big piece that i see that hasn't been researched a lot so and it's upcoming you know ingredient solutions as well but thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your knowledge on the trolleywood process
0: not a problem it's been it's been great uh, hearing the uh, the us perspective and as i said I'd love to uh, to hear from anyone listening if they if they'd like to find out more about the charwood process I think as you said ing- ingredients have been the solution for for a number of years and I think mixing even though it's not a new technology it's been around longer than I've been alive but I think uh, it can certainly add something to people's processes
2: great thank you
1: there you have it wasn't it interesting how the Charliewood process worked before we end I'd like to do a shout out to our sponsors sponsors like AIB, Arla, Bakewatch, Balcam, Surrenda, Diasna, De Laval, Freaka Foods, Grain Millers, Ingredion, Interfiber, j and Ingredients, Lalaman, MGP, Middleby Bakery, Novozymes, PGP International, Purados, Redding Thermal, Solanges Mills, and Wacker Chemical Corp., Thank you so much, sponsors. You have made Bakerpedia and this Baked in Science series available for all bakers out there. Before I go, please like, comment, and subscribe to Baked in Science. Till the next time, bakers, keep your labels clean.